So we are wrapping up a sermon series today on characters that we love. And so I had started it out with Barnabas, who I really love. Caroline did Ruth. Uh, Christian Axelgard did Jonah. Both of them, I thought, did an absolutely incredible job. Last week, Crystal uh, talked to us a little bit about speaking truth to power in the Ypsilanti school system. Yeah, Crystal coming in. It was really good. Just finding encouragement in the Psalms and from 1 John, talking about perfect love, casting out fear. And so today I want to wrap this up by finishing uh, with a character that you may or may not have heard of, and her name is She-Ra. Not the cartoon, the Bible character, although the cartoon is amazing too. Uh, she's a little bit of a queer icon, actually. <laughs> um, before I tell her story, I know I've, I've, I've been telling everybody about the Barbie movie, and I've been talking with some of you about it, but how many of you, have some of you guys gotten to see it? Yeah, I see a lot of pink this morning, too. I won't go on and on about it, I promise. I, I saw some pictures. We saw Chris Sanderson actually opening night, which was really fun. And then somebody told us about the Lisas. I wish they were here this morning, but I don't know if you saw, but check that out on Facebook, because they had some amazing Barbie and Kennergy going on, where Lisa Ruby had a six-pack t-shirt on that she wore to it, which was incredible. Uh, it's probably not a surprise to you. I did not really grow up playing with Barbie. I was more of like a He-Man and Transformers kind of woman. Um, but, I, you know, I had one friend who like really loved them. And I think many of us probably had a friend who really loved them. Or maybe you were that friend who really loved them. And I actually went to the movie not because of Barbie, because I had seen Greta Gerwig's a couple of other movies that she had done. She did Lady Bird and then Little Women. And so we would wanted to see, what will she do with this? And then found myself surprisingly moved. You know, I read one reviewer who said, you know, what I'm afraid of is that the lesson that the movie studio execs are going to come away with here is we need more movies about toys. When the lesson needs to be, we need more movies that take the perspectives of healings of women seriously. Right? I think it, it hit this little cultural thread here, I think, in the wake of Trump and January 6th and Roe v. Wade and all this stuff where women are just feeling this like, ah, you know, and we needed something joyful and kind of hilarious that could also point out some of these things. So I clearly have a lot of thoughts on the movie. There are some good theological undertones. There's some good queer shout outs. I'm happy to chat over donuts later. I can talk about it all day. But I mentioned the movie from the pulpit because I really just can't say enough about how much representation is important. Right? And it's just that there's hardly any movies that are both written and directed by women, and I think that's what's really resonating here. And that's part of the reason why I want to tell you the story of She-Ra this morning. Because I think it is fair to name that we can all say that there are not that many stories about powerful women in the Bible. There's some. The fact that they're there is pretty revolutionary. Um, but ancient culture didn't often sort of validate or find those stories apparently too many of them worth saving. But here we've got this little story that's included about Shira who built cities. So let's look at that text. If you've got the sheet there, it's from 1 Chronicles chapter 7. The sons of Ephraim, and then it names a bunch of sons. And then it says, Now the people of Gath, who were born in the land, they killed them, those sons, because they had come down to raid their cattle. And their father Ephraim mourned for many days, and his brothers came to comfort him. And Ephraim went into his wife, she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Bariah, because disaster had befallen his house. His daughter was Shira, who built both Laura, Lower and Upper Beth Horon, and Uzan Shira. 
Right, so who is Shira? We know her father is Ephraim. Some of you Bible nerds might recognize Ephraim as the name of one of Joseph's sons, Joseph of the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. It's the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So, right, Joseph had 11 brothers. They all have tribes named after them. Joseph had two sons and they're half-tribes, right? So Ephraim and Manasseh. This was probably not that Ephraim, though it could be. It's probably one of his descendants. Often the descendants would take on the name of the forebears, not that unlike with us. Um, it's a little hard to tell because some genealogies in the Bible are linear and some are less linear. But regardless, we know Shira is probably of the line of Joseph, this Hebrew man who had become the Pharaoh of Egypt, who had married an African woman named Asenath to have Ephraim. And so it's assumed that Shira's family probably had some means since she built cities, but that's also not entirely clear since her brothers felt the need to steal cattle from their neighbors. So one of the first questions I think we always have to ask when we're reading the Bible is, what genre is this part of Scripture? All right, so this bit about Shira comes from the book of First Chronicles, which is history. All right, so it's a mix of narrative history, and it's got things like genealogies and some catalogs and such. And so it was written down during a time during or just after the Babylonian exile. So it actually was written down a long time after the events took place. And these events had probably been passed down through oral tradition, maybe through some different sources or scrolls that were lost. And then when it was translated into the Greek, the translators called the book of Chronicles a word that means things left behind or things left over. Right, so it was kind of thought that Chronicles was trying to include the bits of history that had been left out of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Kings and Samuel. In other words, some of these other history books. But it's because of the Chronicles that we have the names of several women in the Bible who otherwise would not have been included. Right, and so we have to thank the writer or writers of the Chronicles for knowing about Abraham's other other woman. Not Hagar, but Keturah. And David's sisters, Abigail and Zariah. And Reverend Dr. Wilda Gaffney, I like how she puts it. She's like, we know about the names of six of David's baby mamas because of the Chronicles. And we have Shira. And so funny enough, the name Shira actually means remnant. So she's a remnant in a book of remnants or leftovers. But I'm really glad that this remnant is remembered because Shira is the only woman in scripture recognized as a city builder. So if we look back at the text, we remember Shira's father had many sons before her, possibly had daughters too, but they're not listed. And nine of those older brothers, so they went down from the hills and they raided the cattle, probably in the valleys of the men of Gath. And so the men of Gath did what a lot of people might do if their food source were being raided with seemingly no justice available for that act. They retaliated and they killed all nine of Ephraim's sons. So then we're told that Ephraim was in mourning for many days. Right? His extended family came in to try and comfort him. And I think there's, there's a whole saga contained in that sentence if somebody wanted to do some midrash or holy imagining about what that would look like. Right? It's, did Ephraim tell his sons to go and raid that cattle? Does he maybe feel guilty about their deaths? Or maybe he urged them not to go do it, but they did it anyway. Maybe they were just jerks. Was there already bad blood between the families? Right? Is this a sharks and jets kind of thing? Right? Is there a long-standing feud? This was the culmination. We don't know. But we do know that the tragedy, or the tragedy, I can't talk, tragedy, travesty, tragedy, 
of losing all nine of his sons devastated Ephraim's family line, probably their fortunes, potentially their future. And so this period of mourning that Ephraim and his wife, um, they were then able to have two more children after that. So Bariah and Shira. So that name Bariah actually has a double meaning. On the one hand, it can mean disaster, it can mean unfortunate, it could even mean evil. And on the other, it can also mean gift. Right? So it's kind of this idea that it could be a gift after this awful thing that has happened. And then, as we said, she remains remnant, probably to signify that there's just this small remnant of Ephraim's children who lived on. So Dr. Funlola Alojid, I hope I said her last name right, she's a theologian in South Africa, and she invites us to wonder, what kind of person was Shira? Why did she choose to build cities? Was she driven by the loss of sons in her family to prove that a daughter was also worthy? Or as Dr. Gaffney imagines, she does a great bit of modern midrash on Shira. She says, maybe it was her childhood dream. We gotta stop telling children that they can't do something because we wouldn't or couldn't or didn't. Or maybe her family nurtured her dreams. But maybe her family and friends and her neighbors and strangers told her she was crazy. You can't build a city. What makes you think you can build a city? What city was ever built by a woman? Go get yourself a man, make some babies. Or go cry about why you can't get a man. Your people aren't city builders, your people are thieves. Everybody knows what kind of people you came from, you can't do it. And if there were any naysayers, Shira didn't listen to them. Shira started building, right? So the role of building in ancient Israel was unmistakably male. So it would have been expected that Bariah would be the one who would have built or rebuilt his father's heritage. And so Shira's action comes across as possibly in opposition to Bariah's inaction for whatever reason. We don't really know anything about Bariah, but we know he didn't build cities. And so we can imagine the kind of woman that Shira might have been. Right? It takes skills and it takes leadership to build entire cities. Right? You have to find a location and you have to evaluate the water sources, and you have to look at the trade routes for commerce, and you have to consider how to defend the area. She was probably especially concerned about that, having lost nine older brothers who she probably never met. How do you defend it? It takes somebody who can raise funds and who can run a budget, who can recruit and manage a workforce, who can find and arrange transport for building materials, for large stones and wood probably from the north and other resources. You have to do urban planning, right? You have to think about sewage and roadways and where you're going to put the synagogue and agriculture and how to feed people and how to avoid mudslides and erosions. She must have been exceptionally influential in her day, standing out as a leader among leaders, a woman that the men of the Bronze Age would follow. The task of constructing cities without today's equipment and communications would have been an immense undertaking. It would have lasted years, potentially decades. So only a person of extraordinary wisdom and influence and people skills and substance and problem-solving abilities could have accomplished such a feat. And she built not one, not two, three cities. And then she did a really audacious thing. She named one of them after her. That's something that the men of her age did. We don't have the names of any other cities named after a woman in the Bible. She called that city Uzan Shira, which could translate as little ears of Shira, but Will the Gaffney's translation is listen to Shira. <laughs> oh, I like that. Listen to Shira. 
I think it's bold. I think that is a little window into that woman's world. And her three cities, they have withstood the tests of time. They show up a couple of other places in the Bible. They're briefly in the book of Joshua, and I won't go into that, but if, if you like this character of Shira, Dr. Wilda Gaffney, whose name's on the handout, she does a really great sermon in Midrash, and she brings the Joshua stuff in in a way that's really fun. Um, it appears her cities do in 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles, where we're told that King Solomon had added some walls and some towers to them. So Shira had very wisely built these cities on a major trade route, and they'd gotten attacked, and so Solomon decided he needed to add some extra fortifications. So Lower and Upper Beth Horn were stops on this major route between Joppa, Lydda, Bethel, and Jericho. And so Shira's cities, they continued to be important ones long after she lived because of their locations. And even today, 3,000 years later, the remnants of Upper Beth Horon and Lower Beth Horon are still visible in the Palestinian villages of Bayit Ur al Fuqua and Bayit Ur al Tahat. And Gaffney points out, and I'll take her word for it because I've been to Israel and studied there, but I did not go to these cities. If I'd known, I would have. But she says you can still see their foundations, which means that the foundations that she relayed 3,000 years ago were exceptional, especially in an area with a lot of earthquakes. And so while her, her mention here in the Bible is just brief, there's, like, there's a whole story here, right? Shira's work tells the story of the restoration of her family name, which was on the verge of being wiped out by the people of Gath. She repaired that family name so well that her city foundations survive, and we're talking about her this morning. Another little tidbit that you might find interesting about this woman is more than one scholar that I read pointed out that you could make the connection that Shira is an earlier embodiment of woman wisdom. So woman wisdom is a character of wisdom personified who we find in the book of the Proverbs. So I've got a couple of those Proverbs here. What does woman wisdom do? Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her pillars seven. She has slaughtered her meat, has mixed her wine. She also laid out her table. She sent out her young women. She calls from the city heights. Whoever the dupe, let him turn aside here. The senseless, she said to him, come, partake of my bread. Drink the wine I have mixed. That has some resonance, right? Come, eat my bread and drink my wine. Forsake foolishness and live and stride on the way of discernment. Proverbs 14, wisdom built her house. Folly with her own hands destroys it. So woman wisdom builds, right? She hews pillars and she throws parties and she invites people to eat of her bread and drink of her wine and she invites them on a wisdom path. Her name in Greek is Sophia, and some of the New Testament writers hint that Jesus is also an embodiment of Sophia, of wisdom, of the divine logos that existed in the Trinity before the earth was created. It's part of that mystical, divine, feminine wisdom tradition that has long existed in Christianity. I won't go too far into that, but I will say like Susan King is an expert in that, probably Nancy Ogilvie as well. That is part of the line that they study and follow as well. So maybe Shira was part of this, maybe not. But regardless, Shira's small story tucked away as a remnant within this book of remnants, I think is an important one for helping people see themselves in the text where they might not see themselves otherwise. So I have to say, like when I first heard about her, which was just a few years ago, it really resonated with me. And I think in part because I don't see myself in the text that much. I see it in certain, you know, like I like Barnabas, like there's certain characters, but not that many female characters. You know, if Shira got married and or had children, we're not told about it. 
We have no idea. It's not likely that she fit in any traditional gender expectations for her time and her place. Right? She was a woman who built. And so we might say she was a little bit gender-bending, which is important, I think, for queer people who are locating themselves, ourselves, in the scripture. I would even say for cis-heterosexual women, maybe if you've got like a natural gift to lead and to manage and to get things done, you know, you don't have that many stories in the Bible. You've got Deborah and Shira. I could probably make some arguments for Abigail, maybe Junia. You know, it's like these sort of ribbons into the larger narrative where you can find a little piece of yourself reflected in these ancient cultures, and that is so important because women like us were also there. So I wish Laura Schramm were here, because she one time wrote, I think it's still available, her, she wrote a children's book um, called Every Precious Boy and Girl, Stories of Women in the Bible. I think you can get, because she was like, I've got daughters, I need them to be able to see themselves and flesh that out, right? And that that is really crucial, and it's hard to even explain how important it is to see somebody who is like you in that space. I looked at that, and I was like, Shira. Builder of cities, that's amazing. Thank you for that chronicler. All right, so with that, a little lighter sermon, it's summer, right? We usually have a minute or so of meditation, silence or guided meditation, and I would just invite us to spend this time with some silence, knowing people make noise. Let the Spirit talk to you about anything that it wants to, or maybe you've come here with something else entirely unrelated that you just need some space to talk to the Creator about. We'll just make that space now. So, Holy Spirit, come. Spirit, thank you that stories like Shira's have slipped through the cracks and that someone along the way was like, yeah, I want to remember, I want to remember this. I ask that you would help us to have holy imaginations, to see even these small stories, but to be able to flesh them out, share these stories, make meaning, share them with our 
daughters and our granddaughters and our nieces and all of the people in our lives who could benefit from seeing themselves a little better situated in the story. I thank you that you give us these imaginations to help create new meaning out of old stories. And I ask that your spirit would help us do that in a way that, that is um, toward the kingdom of God, that unfolds that in an even greater way. I ask that your spirit would be with us as we go about our weeks this week, that you would bring us comfort where we need it, guidance when we ask for it, um, that you would just help us to feel you near to us as we are out and about in your beautiful creation. Amen.